What's up? Happy Friday to all of you. Thanks for joining me. As always, it is much appreciated. By the way, we did an impromptu Celtics live postgame podcast last night following that crazy overtime win against the Detroit Pistons. You can check that out at the channel. Thanks to Slingtown as well in the uh, chat for his $25 donation last night during that Celtics post game. I, I really appreciate the donations. They mean the world to me. So uh, thanks a lot to Slingtown. Super thanks, super chats. They are the way to do that. Let's get to Robert Kraft and whether or not he'll actually pull the trigger on Belichick. Greg Bedard on the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with yours truly, Nick Cattles, said this week that Kraft is still conflicted about what he's going to do regarding Bill Belichick and his future with the Patriots. Sentimental is the word that's been used an awful lot about Robert Kraft. And when he's looking at Belichick and he's trying to decide what he wants to do, he can't help but feel that sentimentality creep over him. It's, it's easier for me and you to look at Bill Belichick, and if you want him out, which I think is the vast majority of Patriots fans at this point, it's easy for us to disassociate the emotion from it. It's easy for many people to say, well, that's the job. That's the job he's done. He's got to go. Let's move on. But Robert Kraft has a personal relationship with Belichick, and he respects the resume. Kraft knows that Belichick helped him get to the pinnacle of NFL ownership, the fact that the Patriots were on primetime as much as they have been under Belichick, the fact that they've won six Super Bowls, been to countless AFC championship games. Hundreds of millions of dollars have been built on the back of Bill Belichick. That's how Robert Kraft looks at this. And so the sentimentality is starting to take over with Kraft a little bit because I think he's finally realizing as this season comes to a close, two more games left, best they can finish is 6-11. and 11. And I think that Kraft, it's finally dawning on him or he's finally feeling the idea of, oh my goodness, I I've got to actually fire Bill Belichick. I I've got to fire Bill. And as it draws closer, the reality of that situation, I believe, takes hold of somebody. You know, it it's it's a little bit easier when you're a month, month and a half out. You say, hey, look, maybe Belichick can turn this thing around. Who knows what's going to happen? I'll deal with it when we have to get there and I have to deal with it. But as you inch closer to the day that you sit in front of Bill, and you decide his fate with this organization after a quarter of a century, that moment is still so much more tough than any of us could imagine. I don't know how many of you have been a manager. I don't know how many of you have had to fire somebody. It's not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing whatsoever. So I think this is starting to really hit craft. It's starting to feel palpable, this idea that he has to truly move on from the guy that he has trusted and counted on to win countless games over and over and over again, season in, season out. That sentimentality, the resume respect. But I've got to tell Robert Kraft, and I think many of you would agree with this, there is no room to be sentimental here. As much as you want to be, as much as you want to respect Bill Belichick's resume, respect the job he's done, respect everything he's done for your organization, if you are craft, you have to brush that aside because business is cold, and that's just the truth. To win at business, you've got to make a lot of cold and calculated decisions. It's not about friends. It's not about being sentimental. 
It's not about loving this guy or loving that woman and being friends with them and all. It is business. As Bill Belichick has said over and over and over again, as we've watched him as the head coach and GM of this football team, we are going to do what's best for the football team. And that's what Kraft has to think about. He has to think about what is best for this organization. Don't get wrapped up in your emotions, as tough as it is. And look, Robert Kraft has had to make several tough decisions throughout his life. As a businessman away from football, as part of the football program, he's made countless rough decisions in his life. So he knows what he's got to do, and he understands that it's not going to be easy But a lot of times, the toughest decisions are the right decisions in life. Dude, I just made one over the last six months, leaving my full-time job in Sacramento due to family reasons, coming back across the country, coming back home without a job, without a plan. Toughest decision of my life, one of them, but it was the right decision. So Kraft has been through this before. He has to do what's best for the Patriots. You can be warm. You can be nice building Belichick's statue when you retire his name into the Patriots Hall of Fame, however you're going to do it, retire the hoodie. Maybe that's what you do. And Kraft will have time once this decision is made to look back and talk about what, what Belichick has done and what he meant to the franchise and what he meant to him personally. But right now in this moment, when this season is over, as as the final second ticks down against the Jets, a week from Sunday at Gillette Stadium, maybe Saturday night, who knows? But when that final second ticks off the clock, it's business time. And you have to handle this like you were Bill Belichick. How many guys has Bill Belichick brought into his office that he had a relationship with, that he might have loved or at least really liked, certainly respected? How many of those guys has he brought into the office to let them know that their job is over? Thanks for what you've done appreciate you, respect you, but it's time we move in a different direction. And so that's what Kraft, I think, is going to do. And to do that, he's going to get past the sentimentality, which I think he will. Kevin Dreamy Williams pops in from Facebook. Again, leave your comments in the comment section. I'll get to as many as I can. Don't forget to give us that thumbs up. More thumbs up means more eyeballs, especially if you're watching on YouTube. That's how we smack that algorithm in the face. By giving us that thumbs up, more likes means more eyeballs. Build the community. Don't forget to comment. Don't forget to subscribe as well. Trying to build those subscriptions. Back to Kevin. Kraft knows that system doesn't work without Brady. A lot of people feel that way. And I think when we go over Bill Belichick's career, if he is done here in New England, at some point on this podcast, I will spend an entire podcast looking back at the Belichick era in kind of the pros and cons, the great job that he did at certain times, the not-so-great job that he did at other times. And I think many people look at this and they they feel the way Kevin does, that, hey, man, if if it wasn't for Brady, Belichick wouldn't be anything. I disagree with that, but that's for another day. I disagree with that for a number of reasons, but I'll get to those reasons down the road. Let's jump in here with John. John Christian says, totally agree, Nick. Being a manager myself, it is not easy. At the end of the day, you have to do what is best for business. Yes, as difficult as it is, that's what you've got to do. Now, I do believe that Kraft being conflicted, according to Greg Bedard, I do believe that that leaves a little bit of room, at least a little bit of room. It leaves a crack for Belichick 
to play off of that human emotion. If Belichick knows that Kraft is conflicted, that will open the door for him to try to nudge his way back in and talk Kraft into keeping him here in New England if that's what Belichick wants. Because Belichick can walk up to Kraft in that office during that meeting and he can use that sentimentality to his advantage. And he can look at Kraft and he can say, look at Robert. Look at how many close games that we lost. Look at the quarterback situation. If we didn't have Mac Jones throwing all those interceptions, we would have won this game and that game and this game and that game. Look at all the injuries we've gone through. We lost Matthew Judon and Christian Gonzalez and Kendrick Bourne and Cole Strange hardly played this year. Look at all the injuries that we went through. I think we're better than what our record says, Robert. And it's because of this, 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 and this. And so it could open the door for Belichick to try to kick that door down and stay here in New England. Will it work? I don't know. But I do think that it creates that question within Kraft's mind of, wait a minute, maybe if they were healthier, they would have been better. Wait a minute. That Mac pick was truly terrible in Germany. What the hell was he doing? So maybe, just maybe, Chad Ryland misses the kick in New York to send that game into overtime. Maybe Bill's onto something. I'm not telling you I agree with that assessment. But what I'm saying is, if Kraft is truly conflicted, it creates an opening for Belichick. It's all it does. And Belichick will take that, I think, and run with it. Will it work? Not sure. Eric Griffin jumps in. There is no world where Kraft just separates Bill from the GM role and keep him as coach. So here's the here's the thing. If I went back a month or two ago, if I went back two or three months ago, even before the season, I said, if the Patriots don't get to seven wins, Bill's got to go no matter what. I feel that way. I'm going to stand by that thought. You don't get to seven wins. You've got to move on. It is what it is. But I did say, if there's a world that Belichick could coach going back a few months ago, but not touch the personnel, that's something that would pique my interest. And I would have to think very hard about whether or not that could work. Here's the issue, Eric, and I'll pop it up again. So all of you can see it. Here's the issue with the idea of Belichick separating head coach from GM. Number one, I don't think Belichick will want to do that. I think Belichick, he's had full autonomy for over 20 years, I think he wants to do it the way he has done it, and he will not be open to that. If he is open-minded to that, there are a couple of issues. Number one, who do you bring in to replace him as GM? Is it going to be a Belichick, quote-unquote, crony? And really, how much are you gaining by bringing in somebody who is part of the Belichick think tank? How much will that person actually push back on Belichick? How much will that person actually say, no, this is what we're going to do, and you're going to do it, Bill? Are you bringing in somebody like Scott Pioli, who I think would acquiesce to Belichick? Are you bringing in somebody like Dimitrov? Are you bringing somebody back like Dave Ziegler, who just lost his job in Vegas? Would Ziegler push back? Now, some would say, well, have that GM report to Robert Kraft directly. And I understand that idea. I understand the idea, and if you could do that, wonderful. And maybe you could try to structure it in this hypothetical where the new GM reports directly to Kraft, but here's the problem. Inevitably, Coach Belichick is going to get in the way. And Coach Belichick could easily sabotage 
whatever the GM does by the decisions he makes as a head coach. I'm not even saying he would intentionally do it. Some might say he would intentionally do it. I'll give you an example. If Dave Ziegler comes in and he's the new GM, the president of football operations, and he's reporting directly to Robert Kraft, and he ends up drafting a stud young wide receiver, right? What happens if Belichick doesn't like how that receiver's running routes? He could bench him. What happens if that receiver fumbles like Pop Douglas did early this year? He can bench him. What happens if Ziggler or that GM brings in somebody who that GM feels should be a third down receiving back? And Belichick looks at that player and says, special teams. That's the issue. Is that on game day and during the week of practice, once all of the offseason moves are made, this would be Belichick's team. And Belichick doesn't necessarily have to follow the direction of the GM. He does not have to handle the players the way that the GM hopes he would handle the players. So those are a couple of issues. You also have a lot of this front office that are Belichick disciples. A lot of guys in that front office are Belichick yes-men. Do you turn over that entire front office? Can you even do that? If you do that, how do you mix and match? There's a lot of things that go into the idea of, oh, just keep Belichick as the coach and get a new GM. That might not be smooth. Kelso H. jumps in. Completely agree with you, Nick. There may be some scared and that conflicted. Time to do what is best for the team. It's just a really rough decision, man. Like, whenever I make a, a life decision, whenever I make a, a really difficult decision, I sit down with my wife. And Kelly and I will we'll go through the pros and cons and we'll go through that list three or four times at least. And we talk about everything and it's not easy. So I could imagine that Kraft is sitting down and what might look easy to us is difficult for Kraft. And he's going through, he's sifting through those pros and cons. All right. Why should I keep Belichick? Why should I get rid of Belichick? If I get rid of Belichick, what is the domino effect? Who can I replace Belichick with? Are those guys, do I believe, going to be better than Belichick in either of those categories, either as a coach or a GM? So there, there's a lot of, of things that go into this decision. Bear Me Jesus, still one of my favorite handles. The GM would definitely be a Bill Yes Man. I think we all know that unless Kraft puts his foot down. And we know that Kraft, he looks at this and says, I don't get involved in football decisions. Kraft has historically, since Belichick came into New England, stayed away from personnel. He's gone public and said, that's not what I want to do. The first few years of his ownership, that's what he did. It didn't work out. And he reassessed, he evaluated his position within this organization. And he doesn't want to be a Jerry Jones. He doesn't want to have post-game press conferences after every game. He doesn't want to get involved with personnel and, and dictate who gets drafted and why they get drafted. That's not how Kraft does his business. Kraft hires people he believes in, and he delegates. And, and I actually agree with that model. I think that's the best model to have as an owner slash manager. You hire the people that you believe in. You hire the people that you believe can do the best job at what they're doing. You delegate, and you let them do their job. You stay out of the way. You do what you've got to do at your best, and that's what Kraft does. So, you know, Kraft, he, he's looking at Belichick, and he's got to think, man, we're unearthing everything we've created over the past two and a half decades. And that's a lot of work. That's a lot of emotion. That's a lot of time that you've spent. It's not like, uh, 
See ya. <laughs> to, to us, it is. To the people who are frustrated, it is. But to Kraft, he's looking at Bill and he's saying, man, this guy for the last quarter of a century has been the best coach in the game. And yeah, he's been brutal when it comes to the draft since 2015, but he drafted Brady and he drafted Gronk and he drafted this guy and that guy. And he, he turned Edelman into a, a great wide receiver. He did this. He did that. He shut down Sean McVay's offense. The last Super Bowl we were there. Like in, in, all of those memories and good vibes and feels, as much as you try to suppress those, they're still there. Those memories are still there. And that makes it difficult. It's like having an ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend. You know, it's you eventually, after spending all of this time with them, you might break up. But it's not the easiest thing because you have all of the memories, the good ones and the bad ones. But Kraft is, I think, he's going to cling on to some of these great memories. And it's going to be difficult for him to look at all of those things that they've accomplished and all of the time that they have spent together. It's going to be very difficult for Kraft to look Bill in the eye and say, we're moving on. It's going to be a very difficult moment. So I'm not surprised that there's some you know, conflict within Kraft. Aaron jumps in and says, I think Bob Kraft is conflicted. I get the idea that Jonathan Kraft is not conflicted on this at all. Aaron, I'm glad you brought that up because it does seem like Jonathan Kraft is ready to move on. And, and Jonathan is known to be more emotional and maybe visceral is a better word than his father is. And it certainly seems like Jonathan is ready to move on and has no issue with making that move. So how much will Jonathan weigh in on this? I don't know. It's rather obvious that once Robert moves on from the Patriots, that Jonathan is going to get this team. I think everybody knows that. So how much does Jonathan have a say? Robert's in his 80s. Does Robert look at Jonathan and say, Jonathan, what do you think? What do you want to do? This team is going to be yours. I don't have a ton of time left on this planet. So this next hire for the Patriots, this might be the guy that Jonathan Kraft has to deal with. For the next decade, the next head coach, the next GM. So how much does Robert's son play a role in this? How, how much does his expected desire to move on from Belichick impact this decision ultimately? Chillites jumps in and says, I don't know why everyone is so quick to get rid of Bill. Reminds me of the people that wanted to get rid of Brady. Your next head coach is guaranteed nothing except a mediocre roster. But your next head coach could be awesome. Right. Your next head coach could be the next Sean McVay. Your, your next head coach can be name any guy who's been hired in the past 20 plus years that has done a great job. And I, I don't think it's, you know, crazy. I, I don't think people are quick to get rid of Bill. Again, I'll pull up chill lights on here. Is quick waiting four years post Brady. I, I ask you, chill. What's the statute of limitations? How long should we be willing to watch a team play sub-500 football? Belichick's now had four years since Brady left to turn this thing around. And what we've seen is a mediocre football team. So how long do you hold on? Do, do you just wait another three years, four years, five years, give them another year 
I think the vast majority of owners would have fired Bill Belichick already. And nobody, and, and I understand why the guy won six Super Bowls here, but nobody, I don't think, would survive Belichick's draft record since 2015 and the mediocrity on the field that we've seen. I don't think any head coach would survive four years post-Brady. So I, I just don't know how long can you just sit there and say, he's going to turn it around, he's going to turn it around. When he's continued to blow, you know, decisions up on the offensive side, he's made a mess of it. I mean, he has not evolved offensively. The scheme is the same. The system is the same. The the approach from him is the same offensively. His fourth down decision-making is as conservative as you can get in 2023. We even saw it against Denver on Christmas Eve when he punts from his own 47 at fourth and uh, on fourth and two when you have three wins. So, I understand it's difficult for people to move on, but I just, my question is, how long do you wait? He's been given four years. Is that not long enough? Mike Larry says all BB has to do is ask for help. It's that easy. If you told me that Belichick was willing to completely take his hands off from the personnel, and take direction from a new GM or football ops guy or woman, and you told me that Belichick was open to the idea of handing the offense to an offensive coordinator and let them do everything they need to do on that offensive side, and and Belichick not touch, not approach that side of the football, if you told me that, then we might have a conversation. If Bill could focus on in-game management, in-game decision-making, if he could practice on, you know, I mean, if he could focus on the game plan during the week defensively. If you told me all of those things, we could have a conversation. But Bill, I don't think, is going to be willing to do any of that. Rich Don 8 jumps in, says, turn it over to Jonathan now, and he makes the decision. I wonder. I wonder if Robert Kraft is going to heavily lean on his son to, to make this decision. I don't know if Jonathan will be responsible for 40%, 60%, 70% of the decision. But again, Robert is in his 80s. Does he look at Jonathan and say, this is going to be your guy? This is going to be your GM? Or is Robert Kraft, you know, a a succession? Is he he Logan Roy? Bleep off. Is he going to hold on to that? Is he going to grasp onto that position and say, nope. Until I pass away, this is my gig. I'm making these decisions. I don't know. Don't forget to give us the thumbs up. I haven't said this in a while, but it's vitally important. Give us that thumbs up. Every thumb means more eyeballs, especially on YouTube, but you can give us that like on Facebook. You can give us that like on Twitter slash X. Post your comments in there as well. So comment, like, subscribe. If you're listening to us on Spotify, Apple Pods, recorded edition, don't forget to uh, rate, review, and you can also leave a comment in there as well couple of other things about this before we move on to the Bills for a quick preview. Robert Kraft's silence. Now, we've looked at Kraft's silence and his deflections on ESPN College Game Day a few weeks ago. We looked at the Dikembe Mutombo rejections. We looked at those and wondered, you know, is it because he knows what he wants to do and he just doesn't want to get involved with the mess right now? I do think you can question now with Greg Bedard saying, 
in reporting that Kraft is conflicted about this decision, I do think that opens the door for us to wonder if Kraft actually doesn't know. And maybe that's why he hasn't said anything. Maybe he's been quiet because he doesn't know what he wants to do. As difficult as it is for me or you to believe that, if you're on the side of we've got to move on from Belichick no matter what, maybe Kraft doesn't know what he wants to do. Or maybe Kraft wants to bring up one of these scenarios that we've talked about today. Maybe Kraft wants to ask, hey, Bill, would you give up personnel? Hey, Bill, would you be willing to give the offensive side of the football to an OC and just let them do what they've got to do? Maybe he's waiting to have that conversation. But it does make me wonder if if he just doesn't truly know yet, and that's why he's been quiet. Is Kraft testing the reaction of fans out there, the public? What are they saying? And I would also say that being conflicted doesn't mean that Bill is safe. It's it, Again, it's a very hard decision. It's a deeper relationship than any of us have with Bill Belichick, obviously. So I wouldn't say that the conflicted report from Bedard means that Kraft is not going to ultimately pull the trigger. It just means that he's conflicted and he's going through what he has to go through to make this decision right now. All right, let's get to a Bill's preview. Nolan has the final word today on the Belichick thing. This is the time they can't delay this. Quick Bills preview for Sunday. This is Zappy's biggest test of the year, biggest test yet. He's at Buffalo. That place, as we know, is bananas. They're going to be loud. They're going to be ruckus. As my guy Zolak once said, they're going to be lubed up. So, you know, Buffalo is going to be a very tough test for Zappy. This is the best competition that he's played against, I think. Now, defensively, Kansas City is better. But Kansas City is a mess right now, as we see. So Buffalo is the best team that Zappi has played against since he took over for Mac Jones. And let's not forget that there are now more expectations for Zappi because I think what he's done the past couple of weeks. He has shown signs of improvement, and I think there are expectations from some fans that are looking at this Buffalo game and saying, okay, this is your chance now, Bailey. If you go out there and you play a complete game and you have those explosive plays and you beat Buffalo, that is another step towards you possibly being the guy next year. We covered Bailey a lot yesterday. You can check out the podcast on the channel. I thought it was some fun work, and I thank all of you for doing that. But more expectations means more pressure on Bailey Zappi. Will we see lots of motion from Bill O'Brien? The last time the Patriots played the Bills this year at Gillette, it was Mac Jones's best game, his defining moment of this season. We thought it might turn his season around. It didn't. But one thing that O'Brien did in that game, he used lots of motion. He used like over 70% of the pre-snaps had motion involved. So how much motion will we see from Bill O'Brien? Will the Patriots attack quick and short? That's what they did the first time around. A lot of short game from Mac Jones. And Bailey Zappi, you know, he has not been accurate with short game under 10 yards. He has not been good. So I wonder how much of that game plan that we saw the last time against the bills is going to change because Zappi's a different quarterback. Evan Lazar Patriots.com tells us that Buffalo plays the zone defensively, the ninth most in the NFL. They're 18th in blitz percentage. If you're wondering, so they don't blitz a ton. They're middle of the pack. They play lots of zone. Last time the Patriots played the bills, They ran a lot of play action. They attacked down the seam. Will we see that on Sunday with Zappi? I think we will see a decent amount of play action. I think we will see the Patriots attempt to attack that seam with Farrell Brown and with some other guys, right? Maybe Hunter Henry, if he's back out there, I'm not so positive about that. So I think we will see that. 
I think we'll see a good amount of motion just so Zappi can ID is this man, is this zone coverage? How are we going to deal with this? I think you will see Bill O'Brien spread the Buffalo defense out a decent amount. We saw some of that the first matchup. And I think once you see the Patriots spread out the Buffalo Bills defense, that's when Zappi will attempt some of those explosive throws downfield. I wouldn't be surprised if Ezekiel Elliott is in the slot from time to time in this game to try to attack the linebackers. We saw Zeke pop up in the slot the last couple of weeks. I anticipate we'll see that again at least a couple of times on Sunday. Back to Evan Lazar says, you know, that the Buffalo Bills, they play the third most split safeties in the league on the back end. And you try to beat split safety play by throwing outside the numbers and attacking outside the numbers. It's something that Mac Jones did not do well, right? He could not throw the football consistently outside the numbers because his arm wasn't good enough consistently enough. Well, now you'll look at Zappy. Zappy is better at throwing the football outside the numbers. He has a stronger arm than Mac Jones. So I would not be surprised if you see some of these outside the numbers throws against those split safeties. Micah Hyde is dinged up. Keep an eye on it. And yes, I'm concerned with Ed Oliver. That guy is a beast. He missed the last game against the Patriots. I don't love the idea of Ed Oliver versus Antonio Maffi or City So. Imadrock says, hit that thumbs up on YouTube. I agree with you, my man. Roll Pat says, how many turnovers can Zappi have before we say bench him? I think it's a feel thing. You know, unless he completely pukes on himself, I think Zappi finishes this year out. All right, let's go to the uh, Patriots defense against the Bills offense. A major change for Buffalo since the last time these two teams played. Ken Dorsey out as offensive coordinator. Joe Brady in. Joe Brady, old offensive coordinator from LSU, the Joe Burrow days. Uh, he also was in Carolina for a year or two during all the change in the Panthers organization. But Joe Brady has significantly tweaked this offense with the Bills. And really, it starts with Josh Allen. Josh Allen is running a lot more with the football with Joe Brady as the play caller. Brady also has gone to more motion, more pre-snap motion. So more running the football with Allen, more pre-snap motion. Patriots can't allow Allen to extend plays. We saw that with Russell Wilson on Christmas Eve. That fourth quarter turned because Wilson was allowed to extend plays and beat the Patriots off of those extending plays off platform. Patriots cannot allow Josh Allen to run around and play schoolyard football because that's when they'll get in trouble. Jawan Bentley, will he spy? He spied last time. I think he will this time. The last game, the Patriots defense was very aggressive. They changed the script against Josh Allen the last couple of years before the last game we see we saw these two teams play. Against Josh Allen and Buffalo's offense, the Patriots, they kind of laid back. They laid back against Josh Allen. Not this year. They went after Allen. They blitzed Allen over 43% of the time in that first meeting. And when they actually blitzed Allen on dropbacks, the Patriots got 63.2% pressure on Josh Allen when blitzing him on dropbacks. I think you'll see the Patriots once again be aggressive because it worked against Allen the last time. They changed things up. It worked. Why change them up again? I think you'll see an aggressive defense from Gerard Mayo and Steve Belichick. How will you defend Stefan Diggs? You don't have Jack Jones anymore, and obviously you don't have J.C. Jackson. So how do you defend Diggs? Jonathan Jones is banged up. Who draws that assignment? 
Do you play zone a lot because of it? Jonathan Jones, according to Evan Lazar, Patriots.com, only covered digs the last game on two routes, just two, one, two. James Cook has become a problem in the run game, and he can catch the football. James Cook has over 1,000 yards rushing. He has 40 receptions. You have to make sure you take care of him. Don't allow him to get into space. He can kill you. So James Cook has been pivotal to this Buffalo turnaround as they've played much better football over the last month or so. Got to take care of that guy. And the Patriots' run defense, as we've talked about, has been tremendous. Best run defense in football. So Christian Barmore, Devon Godchow versus that interior offensive line of Buffalo, Connor McGovern, Mitch Morse, uh, Osiris Torrance. I think the Patriots have a, a decided advantage in the trenches on the interior. I think their interior defensive linemen, I think Godchow and Barmore can absolutely eat on Sunday against that Buffalo Bills offensive line. Christian Barmore can be a game wrecker on Sunday. He's been terrific the last couple of months. Watch out for Gabe Davis, downfield shots. Khalil Shakir as a shifty wide receiver. He's gotten more involved since Brady took over. And we look back at that first Buffalo Bills game and we say, man, the Patriots did a great job against the Bills. Don't forget, the Bills came storming back late in the fourth quarter in that game. Then Mac had to bring back the Patriots and win it for him. You know, it wasn't perfect. They did a great job against Buffalo for like the first two and a half quarters, three quarters. But Buffalo still, week seven, Buffalo still had 339 yards of total offense. Not great. I mean, they still put up 25 points. So on the road at Buffalo, if Buffalo plays the exact same way, they score 25 points. Can Bailey Zappi in this offense score more than 25 points at Buffalo? Ask the question. Cisco 300 jumps in and says, Sorry, I'm late to the party, fellas. All good. It's a Friday. We're just hanging out. Paul jumps in and says, Hi, Nick. Totally agree with you on fourth down. Season over. Uh, GM above Belichick wouldn't. He would not play rookie free agents. Uh, just as he didn't play Butler in the Super Bowl, he played Butler, would have had a seventh title. And so Paul says, Yes, you know, Belichick could sabotage any new GM who, you know, comes on in if that's the decision that. Robert Kraft makes Kelso. Let's go four and 12. Let's get to the pick. Shall we? My prediction. And look, this year is brutal. I'm not going to lie to you. Six and nine against the spread. Last year was 15 and two against the spread. Six and nine this season. 69. Nice. Uh, this team's difficult because you never know what you're going to get. The, the, the quarterback changes, the injuries, the fluctuation in play, the turnovers, the special teams play. No idea what you're going to get. But the line right now is Buffalo giving 13 and a half. The over-under is 40 and a half. 13 and a half feels heavy to me. I'm taking the points. I'm taking the 13 and a half. I'll roll with the Patriots to cover the 13 and a half because I think that's lots of points. And I would go with the over 40 and a half. It might be just over, but I'll go over the 40 and a half and I'll take the 13 and a half points that the Patriots are getting on Sunday. All right, happy new year. We went a few minutes long. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Everybody be safe. Have fun this weekend. Don't be knuckleheads. Enjoy yourself. It should be a great, great weekend of football. Uh, we will be off on Monday, back on Tuesday. Tuesday, 11 a.m. sharp, right here on YouTube. 
Don't forget to give us that like. That thumbs up means the world. If you're leaving, give us that thumbs up. If you enjoyed it, give us that thumbs up. If you hated it, I don't know, throw a thumb up. Comment, subscribe as well. I appreciate every single one of you. Have an awesome, kick-ass new year. We're back on Tuesday. Till then, see you.